You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, NASA Chobi. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk. The Seahawks beat the Arizona Cardinals by a score of 20 to 10, get back in the win column at Lumen Field. And the Seahawks did it, missing a lot of guys without DK Metcalf, without Evan Brown, several starters on the offensive line. Still ended up blocking for a 100-yard rusher in Ken Walker. So let's not waste any more time. Let's talk to the guy who has a Ph.D. in moving people who do not want to be moved, our guy Ray Roberts in the trenches. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Big Ray, big win yesterday. And like I just mentioned, Seahawks did it with their fifth different starting offensive line combo. They've been banged up up front. How did that group perform overall? What did you see from them? I was really impressed with how well Olu communicated because like on the NFL uh, films replay, you can hear him talking and Gino having conversations at the line of scrimmage and him making calls. And so his calls are very clear and precise. And then I'm going to tell you, like I thought that one of the biggest issues in the run game was that we weren't getting to the second level consistently enough. And when I watched it, especially in the first half, the combinations with Olu and Bradford, they were absolutely taking their double teams to the second level, and it was creating some nice little lanes for um, for Kenneth Walker to run through. So I was I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far out of them, and then even um, a Stone Forsythe. To me, he just looks more comfortable on the right side than he does on the left side. It just seems more natural for him. I know he played left tackle in college. But on, at the, on the right side, he just looks more fluid. He looks more athletic. It looks more powerful in the run game. So I thought that the combination that they had last, yesterday played a pretty good football game. Big Ray, I was watching film of uh, Ken Walker, and I thought he did a better job, at least early in the game, getting north and south and not really looking for the bounce back early. Granted, his biggest run of the day was um, a cutback on his own. But um, I think that that credits – the uh, the guards like you just mentioned, but what did you say out of Ken Walker and how was he able to have his first 100 yard game of the season? Well, I, I think that Ken Walker is starting to figure out when he just needs to get vertical and go get the three yards that are there, or go get the four yards that are there, or you may have to you know put your shoulder down and run over the one defender that's, that's standing in the hole there, and when he can kind of set the the play up to pop outside on that one long run he had. Uh, every they had a hat for a hat on every guy, the tight ends, the tackles, the guard center. But there was one safety that had kind of leaked down into the box at the last minute. So he set that guy up and then bounced it to the outside. That is a perfect opportunity to do that. Sometimes, though, if, if you see that that safety coming down late and he's not necessarily in the hole yet, that's when you just need to take it to him. Just get vertical and take the yardage, you know, have a collision with that guy or, 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 you know, put the moves on him once you get through the hole. And I think he's starting to figure that out. He said a little bit of that in the post-game uh, interview that um, he's, he's doing a better job at just getting vertical on some, on some place because every play can't be a home run. And, you know, like when I, when I played with Barry Sanders, one of the things that Barry told us is that um, sometimes he's running a certain way 
at the beginning of the game or the first quarter or so because he's trying to set up uh, he's trying to set up the cutback. Or if people are playing the cutback, he stays to the front side more. So I think Kenneth Walker is starting to kind of figure that stuff out, and it looked good yesterday. Yeah, he had one run bump where he got into the secondary and just gave it to the defender. So I love what I'm seeing oh, from yeah. Ken Walker. Yes, <laughs> now, while we're talking about this offense, Ray, to me, they're so close to getting to that next level, right? You know, last week in, in Cincinnati, it was the red zone. Other weeks, it's been penalties. Other weeks, it's been turnovers. They're so close, I feel like. What do they need to do as a unit overall to take that next step to, to get them where they want to go? Well, I think part of it is the consistency of the available bodies. <laughs> you know, like, like, you know, we said that uh, there was five. This is the fifth different starting offensive line. But if you look throughout the games because of injuries during games, this has been like the eighth or ninth iteration of an offensive line. So even in, in um, uh, Detroit, we were down to one reserve offensive lineman left. So if anyone else had gotten hurt would have been out of offensive linemen. Uh, so I, I think that that will, that will help solidify things when, because uh, it's important that those guys are playing next to each other. They're starting to understand each other. They get into a rhythm with each other. They get into a rhythm with the running backs, all that kind of stuff. And then as, and when I think about, you know, some of the problems in the, in the uh, red zone or the turnovers, I think if I was Gino, I would go back and revisit the mindset he had the first two thirds of the season last year, where he just seemed like a com- complete command of the offense, making checks, putting us in the right situations, protecting the ball, but still being aggressive with the ball. Uh, I think sometimes Gino goes, goes to, ultimate playmaker mode and then he'll make a a crazy throw or take a crazy sack or whatever and unfortunately this year has come at uh just really bad times in the red zone or in a long drive or in a you know situation where you need to get points or stay on the field so uh but i don't think you know there's any one problem that is the problem it's just like some little things that just let's just tighten this up get the able bodies back on the field and then just make sure that our mindset is right from the quarterback position Big Ray, this defense is uh, playing at a different level right now. I think Jordan Brooks is having a heck of a season. Obviously, Devin Witherspoon could have had a great game if it wasn't for some penalties. Um, who deserves the credit? Because a lot of people were talking about Clint Hurt last year. Get him out of here. And I'm telling people to calm down. Let him get his guys here. Um, but when you look at this defense, how much credit does Clint Hurt get? And then what about the Jimmys and the Joes on that side of the ball? Well, I think the credit that Clint Hurt should get is just his resolve. Like, you know, he wasn't like in all the interviews and people are asking him about, uh, hey, this 3-4 with 4-3 concepts thing, like what is this all about? And you let big, huge Al Woods go and all this other kind of stuff and maybe you don't have the right personnel and this, that, and the other thing. And he just kept saying, we're not coaching guys anything differently than we coached them when we were, you know, playing good football, you know, three or four years ago. And so he kind of stuck to it. And uh, when I look at this, like, you know how we talk about um, the pass rush and the coverage has to kind of be connected. Well, I think the front half, like the defensive line and the linebackers have to also be connected. So when I watch the film, this is the thing that has surprised me is Jaron Reed is more times than not the first dude off the ball. And I don't remember that being part of his game when he was here, but his first step is so quick that on a lot of the plays, he's already playing on the offensive side of the line of scrimmage. That in and of itself, whether he makes the tackle or not, 
is disruption. And that allows for other people to make plays. And I really do think that that is why uh, the run defense is better. And then you look at Draymond Jones, he's doing the same thing. These dudes are not big, you know, 340-pound two-gap defensive tackles. They're more athletic, and they may be playing like a two-gap look, but they're attacking gaps versus reading and reacting to get, uh, to, to uh, blocking schemes. And to me, that makes a difference. When a running back has to make a move the second he gets the ball, the defense is already in a winning uh, in a winning mindset in that situation. Now you just got to go make the tackles. And then that's allowing these run the, the linebackers to flow without a whole lot of traffic in front of them. So then Jordan Brooks can have the game that he had. Like this dude seemed like he was making every tackle on every play in every situation. And then, you know, to see like his animation that we've never seen before, he was really, I think, vibing with that uh, Jamal Adams and, and uh, Witherspoon vibe yesterday. He was really into it. So I really do think, like, if I think about Witherspoon has been great, he's made some great plays. Jordan Brooks has been uh, Brooks has been awesome to get to see him back out there after the knee surgery. You know, uh, Jamal Adams is doing his thing. Diggs is always doing his thing. But to me, the magic, which is what they have been missing the last couple of years, has been the two defensive tackles and Jones and Reed. To me, they would be – uh, the MVPs of the defense because a lot of their stats aren't big, but the sacrifices that they're making so that other people can have stats is is uh, is pretty big. I love what you said there, Ray, and I think some credit of that credit pie has got to go to John Snyder in this personnel department because a lot of people really doubted whether the Seahawks did enough up front, and clearly they did with how Jay Reed and Draymond Jones are playing. But last thing for me, Ray, for you, sticking on that defensive line, we know last year the rookie class got a lot of attention, and rightfully so, because they are the best in the National Football League. But, you know, this year, Tariq Woolen was coming off an injury. Kobe Bryant's had some injuries. Both tackles have been injured. Are you surprised, or did you see this ascension coming for Boye Mafe? You know, I think a lot of people were hopeful that he would take this step, but are you surprised that he was able to kind of take that step this early and now almost vault himself to the top of that uh, sophomore class this year? Well, you know, like it was uh, the thing is last year you could always see glimpses of it. Like he never got enough reps to me to get into a rhythm of a, of a game to be able to unleash everything that he was capable of doing last year. But you could see glimpses of it. And those glimpses made you think of Cliff Averill. Like like they don't have big, huge biceps and like, you know, Miles Garrett or somebody. But, man, they are slippery to, to get your hands on them when you're trying to block them. They'd have uh, like this uncanny technique to be able to get off blocks and get to the and close on the quarterback, and uh, and so and then they you know if you look at Mafe, he's really good at setting the edge in the run game, and so uh, I I will say I'm a little bit surprised at how good he is as fast as it has been, but it's something that that you you could see coming if he just had the opportunities to get into the rhythm, get more reps, and understand the game more, and understand how people are attacking him and be able to set up your pass rush and different things like that, get a feel for what teams are trying to do. Uh, but it's really awesome to see. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember the first time I met him, I was standing on the field at practice and I, I had heard his name, but I didn't quite know what he looked like. And he just walked straight at me, like staring right at me. And I'm thinking like, okay, what did I say to this about this dude? Like, like who is this guy coming at me like this? I'm like, like I'm ready to get bowled up. Like what's happening? And he was just like, hey, how you doing, sir? Nice to meet you. And I was just like, 
Okay, kind of weird dude, but uh, but but he is he is a really good football player, man. He he looks like he studies the game. He looks prepared. Nothing seems to surprise him. Uh, you know, probably could have had another sack yesterday, but he he anticipated the quarterback throwing the ball and he and he uh, he jumped up instead of uh, getting the sack. And so it, I think he what four straight games with a sack. And yep. he's also like in the top half and pressures and win rate by pro football focus. So the dude is having a real breakout season. And because of all the other stuff, Witherspoon and, and some of the, some of the other people that are, you know, Jamal Adams, I don't think that uh, people can hear his thunder right now, but he's playing some really good football. Big Ray Roberts, giving you everything, you know, breaking down the Seahawks victory, big Ray. We appreciate you. We will talk to you again on Sunday and on Thursday. If you guys listen to the huddle, but one last thing for Ray, a little shout out. Big Ray's Garage Grind Mental Health Edition on Seahawks.com and anywhere you get your podcasts. A lot of big guests coming up, so I appreciate everything you do, Ray, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thanks, Ray. Peace. See, what had happened at first was... What happened was... What had happened was... On Hawk Talk. Bump, man. This game, it it felt close on the scoreboard, but to me, watching it, it never felt that way. It it always felt like the Seahawks were in control, even from the opening possession. I don't know what it was, but that's just kind of how I felt the game played out. Game started with three punts, but the Seahawks offense got rolling on a three-play, 61-yard drive that ended with a Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. 20-yard touchdown. His first NFL touchdown. Bump called it all week long, and again on the pregame show that Jason was going to have a day. What did you see from that man, Bump? A guy playing fast, man, and his uh, his touchdown was nice. And we watched his touchdown, and we were like, "Nah, no way, Buddha messed that coverage up." It might have been Buddha ass because um he went with the corner, and then JSN was running the post. He went over the top to the corner, and the the quarterback to his side is like, "Hold on, I got I got this deep area right here," and it slides underneath. So um even the ballers make some mistakes from time to time, but. I just saw him doing what he's supposed to do and doing it fast. And Gino getting the football out early as soon as he hit that break and uh, hitting him in stride, man. It was slightly behind him, but you know what? He's the 20th pick in the league. He can make that pick, man. Yeah. Uh, the Hawks were forced after that touchdown. The Hawks were forced to three and out the next possession, but then DJ Dallas will fumble the football on a punt. I have been in those situations before. It is a lonely feeling. So the Cardinals took over on the Seahawks 32 yard line. And that fumble forced. Oh, it was forced by, guess who, Joey Blunt, man. I like that dude. I remember interviewing yeah. him a few times. Uh, is he a, he's a Virginia guy, ain't yep, he? Yep, UVA guy. So him and Ray are close, too. But yeah, yeah no, I love Joey. Guy. Yeah, so Big Ray, you know, Big Ray loves some, some UVA guys. But the Hawks defense will hold the Cardinals to a field goal, making a score of 7-3. Then the Hawks will punt on the next drive, and the Cardinals will respond by going down the field 80 yards on eight plays. And Josh Dobbs. Almost made a mistake, man. Devin Witherspoon goes up. He drops into the deep third, snatches the football out the air. Dobbs looking for the corner. Instead of taking a knee, Witherspoon goes, nah, I'm getting money. He exits the end zone, spins, makes a guy miss. Boom, gets up to like the 15 of the 20-yard line. But there are yellow flags everywhere. All started with the rough and the passer. And then you get a personal foul on Brooks. Then you get a personal foul on number 74 for there's the Cardinals. I, I forgot who it is, but... With all that being said, the Cardinals retained the football, and Devin Witherspoon was robbed of his second pick. He was robbed, man. I, ah, that play bothered me, man, because he did everything he was supposed to do. The rough in the passer call was so late. It didn't have any impact on the ball. Dobbs threw. Witherspoon just makes a uh-huh. great interception, and he takes it out of the end zone, and all hell breaks loose. I mean, if he just takes a knee, maybe there's no flags. Who knows what happens? <laughs> but he didn't, and Dobbs ran in for a 25-yard touchdown. That made the score 10 to 7. 
Hawks, though, they would respond with a drive of their own, going 76 yards on nine plays as Geno Smith found Jake Bobo in the back of the end zone from 18 yards out. Bobo originally was ruled out of bounds, but Pete Carroll won his challenge. The calls overturned for a touchdown. The Hawks took the lead 14-10 going into the second half. Hey, in the second half, the Seahawks would shoot themselves in the foot, turn the ball over twice. You got that interception and a fumble by Geno. He's got to clean that up. A lot of people are looking at these um, these two mistakes, and they're blowing it up, right? Of course, you want him to take care of the football. I understand that. I was on the show today, and I go, all right, do you realize he has two less touchdowns um, and two more picks than he was last year at this point? It's not like he's playing horrible football, but – you do have to take care of the football. So um, let's clean that up. But the defense held strong, man, allowing no points. And uh, the Hawks would do just enough in the half, adding two field goals, holding it down, 2010. You take the wins however you can. Got to clean some stuff up. Defense look good. Offense look good at times. Geno was like 13 to 15 in the first half, 146, two touchdowns. Just got to clean up that second half. Wins are wins, man. In the NFL, don't apologize for them. Do not apologize for wins. Like you said, we can clean some things up. Pete Carroll mentioned on his show this morning that Bobo could have helped him a little bit on that deep route. Gino knows he needs to take care of the ball a little better, and I think he's going to do that. So I got I got no complaints there. Like I said, a win's a win. But let's keep it moving. Let's figure out who made some plays. Playmakers. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Showdown, what time it is? Holy captain! Bump, you said it, man. Jordan Brooks. Had one of the best games I've seen him play in his career as a Seattle Seahawk. Nine tackles, six solo, half a sack, two TFLs, one pass defended, one QB hit. And for a time there in the second half, I felt like he made every single tackle. I kept looking up. I go, oh, 56. Oh, okay, that's 56. Oh, that's 56. And an animated version of Jordan Brooks, man. I don't think I've ever seen. He's a man possessed out there. And I just love everything you see. That is the guy they drafted, for sure. He's shown glimpses of that. He's been that player at times, and then obviously tears ACL coming back from that. But what Jordan Brooks is doing right now is unbelievable because he's playing at an all-pro level. And I finally think he's starting to get some of the respect from outside of the Seahawks circle into what he's doing right now. He's playing like a missile out there. When he decides he's going after somebody with the football, there's no hesitation. It's all speed and violence. I love it. Now, this young man, Boye Mafe, is leading the team with four sacks, man. He had three tackles, two solo, one TFL, quarterback hit, a sack, one pass defended, and you see him everywhere. When he was drafted out of Minnesota, that was kind of the thing, right? He started playing high football in high school, so didn't have a lot of reps, but was a student of the game and was invited to the Senior Bowl and would do exactly what he was told to do when it came to the coaching. And I think that that's what kind of gravitated some of these coaches to him. They're like, look, he's so young in his development. Whatever we say is goal, I think he's taking the coaching, and now he's allowing himself to be himself out there too, man. I love seeing Boye Mafia do his thing. Yeah, man, he is crushing it. Leading the team in sacks, I, I definitely would have thought, you know, Chenna or DT or one of those guys might be the team leader. But if Boye keeps this up, man, he's going to have some crazy numbers. Sticking on that side of the ball, Devin Witherspoon. My goodness, man. Four tackles, one pass defended, one interception, called back after a penalty. One sack, also called back after a penalty. But, man, this dude, all he does is make plays. When he hit when he hit Rondell Moore, I believe it was, my goodness, I, I was <laughs> – I'm like, man, that dude has a family, dog. Like, that's – I that we felt that hit in the booth because he's just – 
every time I watch him play, I talk about it almost every week. I'm a broken record. It's explosiveness. It's the way he plays the game. Just like Jordan Brooks talking about no hesitation. Devin Witherspoon changes what we can do as a defense. And this is the sky's the limit. We're just getting started with that kid. As Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof for that kid. <laughs> the, the ceiling is the roof. You bet. The ceiling is the roof. All right. Uh, Julian Love. This was his best game as a Seahawk, for sure. And I, I think we're, we're saying some of the same things about these guys, right? No hesitation, flying to the football. And I think that's a clear indication that they're selling into their role and understanding what Clint Hurt wants for them. Adrena Love had six tackles, five solo, one pass defended, and just seemed to be everywhere at some point. So everyone took their turn, had their moments. There are like a few plays in a row where Jay Love looked nice. Then you mentioned Brooks. Um, it's nice to have a defense that has multiple guys playing with high speed and tempo. Jay Love is one of those guys. And then Geno Smith, 18 to 24, 219, two touchdowns. He did have an interception, but a QB rating of 113. He still completed 75% of his passes. He still had some crucial third down scrambles and throws. Tyler Lockett had a couple third downs. Um, he scrambled for a couple third downs. It was, there were seven of 13 on third downs, I believe. The best they've been all year. And it's thanks to Geno. Got to erase those, those turnovers, but Geno had a good game. Yeah, I think he's right there, man. He's right there. I think just their entire offense is right there of getting to where they need to go to turn the corner and really ascend here. But Geno's playing good ball. Going out to your guys, the receivers, Bobo and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Both of them, they combined for eight receptions, 123 yards, two touchdowns. Jake Bobo had a clutch third down reception. Jackson Smith and Jigba gets his first touchdown. And they set some records, man. Sunday was the first time Seattle had two rookie wide receivers record a touchdown reception in the same game. So love to see that because now if they did all this again without DK Metcalf. In a lot of weeks, that would be the headline bump is that DK didn't play. How do we recover? Not even really a storyline because those guys played so well. And then, then you had Ken Walker, 26 for 105, season high in carries and yards. So this offense is churning. They're getting close, Bump. They're getting close. Yeah, man, they're spreading the love, man. Let's look at this wide receiver roundup. You mentioned Jackson Smith and Jacob four for 63, a long of 28. That was a touchdown. Bubble had four for 61, a long of 31. Tyler Lockett, four for 38. A quiet but effective four for 38. Kobe Parkinson at two for 26, a long of 27. Titans got this offense going in the second half. Kobe Parkinson had a big reception. Then Noah Fett had one for 25. He had a big reception. Tight catch in between two receivers. Ken Walker had two for six, dropped once where he could have gotten some money. Then DJ Dallas had one catch, no yards. Looking better every week, man. I, I like the diversity in there. Obviously, we get some of those uh, receptions up a little bit. But if D, if Gino's throwing the ball around 25 times and we're running 26 times, that's usually a recipe for a Seahawk victory. Now let's flip it over to the coach's corner. We talked about it earlier. Gino Smith finds Jake Bobo for an 18-yard touchdown upon further review. Bobo comes wide to the right with Lockett slotted inside of him on first and 10. Ball at the 18-yard line. Gino again has time looking. Now he's going to go to the end zone. Bobo's out here. Jump ball. Bobo makes the catch, but I think he's out of the end zone. He comes down with that. Does he have the ball in his hands? I think yeah. he still has it in his hands. He's talking to the official. He caught it, and he fell out of bounds. Could not get that second foot in. We're looking at Pete to see if he's going to drop the red flag. He's got it in his hand. He's Now he throws it. He was waiting for the guys upstairs here to get a good look. Well, while we were away, it is in fact a touchdown by Jake Bobo from 18 yards out. 
one-handed, got one foot in, and then the toenails on his right foot. Yeah, man, uh, this was a big boy type of play. People see the end results of this, and you should. But well, body control, going out, catching the football, tiptoes, uh, get in that thing. But what he did to set this up was pretty, man. He has a slow release, man. I call it a tempo release. He's no, he knows he's one-on-one. Takes a one stride and a skip, right foot in the ground, sells the slant. If you pause it when his right foot hits the ground and then he gets his left foot, everything in his body says this is a slant. There's no way this DB is not buying what's happening in front of him. Then he gets to that second time, get into that left foot, and boom, snaps it off and shows a twitch that a guy who runs a 4-9 typically does not have, right? He's got that twitch, then he works to the sideline, and Gino says, look, we've done this in practice for a few months now. You're 6-4, go up and get the ball. I'm going to give you a chance. Not much else to that. You win your one-on-one battles. You sell the slant. You give yourself a chance to get some leverage on the DB, and Gino drops a dime, and then you just show the athleticism. He is way more athletic than his uh, combine numbers will uh, make you believe that he is. His combine numbers are a farce, dog. I mean, forget (laughs) about the straight line stuff. If you watch him as a football player, he's strong. He gets after people in the run game blocking. And you you watch this route. If this (laughs) – if this route was ran at UCLA, he would have been open by 50 yards. Like, oh, yeah. the DB wouldn't have been anywhere close. Obviously, this is the NFL, so those guys get paid too. But you're right. When you sell that slant, the third step of a slant, the way he was running it, yeah, I'm jumping that too. It's late in the route. Right. And, oh, my goodness. I mean, that's and that's the thing. He's going he's gonna to make a lot of money, in, or not maybe not a lot of money. He's going to play a long time in this league given stuff like that blocking and just being reliable I'm, I'm telling you right now bump i said it last night bobo's gonna play at least 10 years in the league at least yeah. 10 years just because of the what he brings to the table so love seeing that i also love the victory formation is what we got to see yesterday here comes the seahawk offense onto the field and the vikings defense trudging out there knowing that one kneel down and the Seahawks are going to wind the clock down and win this one. It's the victory formation on Hawk Talk. Wasn't the prettiest win, but the Seahawks get it done when it counted the most and get a huge win in the NFC West. And when I say prettiest, that doesn't mean anything. Wins are wins in the NFL, like I said before. And how many games actually end in blowouts? Even when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, they weren't blowing guys out every single week. So love what we saw there, holding the Cardinals to just 10 points. 249 yards of total offense. That is the third week in a row they've held opponents under 250 yards. So this defense is balling, and they're playing really good football, which bodes well for the Seahawks moving forward. Yeah, and they handled the smartest man in the NFL, Josh Dobbs. This is 146 passing yards, and uh, the Cardinals were 5 of 15 on third downs, 0 for 3 on fourth down. Like we mentioned, Jordan Brooks, star of the defense. My man was all over the field. And if Devin Witherspoon didn't have those penalties, mm. we might be talking more about him, but it's all good, man. But you see what he can do. We haven't played a game in the last month to where we didn't recognize the young man for his talents. No question about it, man. Then you said it earlier. We talked about it, the receivers both playing really well, picked up the slack without DK Metcalf. Hopefully DK is back next week because if you got all those guys playing like the way they're playing right now, it's going to be really tough for defenses against this receiving core. And then the rookie, Olu Olu-Timi, did a great job stepping in for Evan Brown. Ray touched on it earlier. When you watch that game, nothing felt like, oh, man, we're starting a rookie center and our guys isn't out there. So shout out to Olu Olu-Timi and that offensive line as a unit for just continuing to step up week after week. Yeah, buddy. And um, 
Olu, big up to Olu. We had him on our show on Thursday. And uh, bright young man. So I always like when guys are solid people and then you see them go out there and ball. But I think it's really all about this defense, right? I mean, they're showing that they are an explosive defense. They will hit you. They'll fly around. And they can hold it down for this team. Man, Seahawks improved to 4-2 and two in the season. And they got a big showdown next week against the 4-2 and two Cleveland Browns. They'll be wearing the throwback jerseys going up against one of the best defenses in the league. I'm excited, man. This is a 4-2 and two team. I think they're fourth in the NFC right now. Let's get to 5-2. Yeah, man, this is going to be a huge game. Probably not the ones that people circled on the calendar when the schedule came out, other than the throwback game, but it's going to be a big one. Bump and I are going to do some research. We'll be back at it on Wednesday, breaking down the Cleveland Browns on Hawk Talk. Remember, rate us if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. We love a five-star rating. Appreciate the love. You can catch us anywhere, SiriusXM, Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, give a little shout-out to some other ones on our network, The Huddle, where you can hear Michael Bumpus, Hawks Live, Seahawks Rewind, Big Race Garage Grind, and the Insider Podcast, all on Seahawks.com. He's Michael Bumpus. I'm Nasa Choby. Until next time, Seahawks beat the Cardinals 20-10. to